I do, I do get nervous sometimes, and God helps me through it. Praise the Lord for that. But this is one of those messages where I'm like, well, all right, Lord, uh, you'll have to help me through it. Uh, so if you would turn to Numbers chapter 16, Numbers chapter 16, uh, this may be a familiar passage to some. Um, I'll give you a little bit of the background in a moment. We're going to start in verse 1. We're just going to read a few verses. And we're going to try to make it through the whole chapter. Don't be nervous. <laughs> uh, it is a, it's a definitely a good passage. There are some lessons here that God would have us to learn. So, Numbers uh, 16, starting verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation is holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even Tomorrow, the Lord will show who is his or who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who he hath chosen will be uh, he caused to come near unto him. This do take you censers, Korah, and all his company and put fire therein and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this opportunity that we have to come before you. Lord, I am nothing if I do not have your strength and power. Lord, I need you. I pray, Lord, as we look at the life of Korah and the situation here with the rebellion, that God, you would speak to our hearts and help us. There is something in this message, Lord, the thought of pride and contentions. And Lord, I believe many of us struggle with that. I know I do. And God, I need you. I need your spirit. And even as was prayed yesterday, the idea that, Lord, you would come down and meet with us. We are a needy people. Lord, I need your spirit. And I pray, God, that your words would be heard. I pray that I would step aside. And Lord, that as you, even as was taught this morning, that your word would be magnified and glorified. Speak to us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we read a few verses here. In numbers, but to give a background to what is happening here, this is happening. This this story we just read is happening during a time of what it, the Bible refers to as the wilderness wanderings. Okay, that is not a good place for the children of Israel. You see, after God had delivered them miraculously from the Egyptians, uh, he he helped them cross uh, the Red Sea. God's plan was to bring His people to the land of promise. God had a land prepared for those who came out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. In Exodus 3, verse 7, the Bible tells us, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and he tells them it's um, the place of the Canaanites, Hivites, and all the other ites. So Canaan here was to be a place of rest. Now think about this. They were in bondage 
Under the Egyptians, they were slaves. They had taskmasters. And God says, you know what? I've heard your prayers. I want to deliver you and give you rest. That's a wonderful promise. Uh, Joshua 1.13 says, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Unfortunately, Joshua made it in. But these people did not. They could have gone in. It was theirs for the taking. This was the promise of God. And we know that God is not a man that he should lie. But listen, they ended up in the wilderness of Sinai. And so in Exodus 19, uh, we see Moses reminding the people what God had just done for them, how he bore them up on eagles' wings. And in verse 5 of that chapter, he says, If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandments, then it's one of those if-then statements. So God makes a promise. If you fulfill his end, he promises he cannot lie. And so he's going to fulfill his end. But again, they didn't heed his, his, his they, they weren't really listening. And what's interesting is this, in that same chapter, in verse eight, it says, and all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord had spoken, we will do. So they're listening to Moses and they see what God has done and they're super excited. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord, however. They never made it in. Part of this narrative is found, we, we saw a little bit in Exodus, and now we're back in Numbers. In Numbers 13, here's the story of the 12 spies that uh, were sent out to look upon the land. They went out there, and boy, for 40 days, they're scouting. They saw all this amazing vegetation. There's so much fruit. Eskol, the place of those large grapes. But 10 brought back an evil report, and only two. We're ready to claim the promise of God. What a shame. So Numbers 13, 31 tells us this, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying, the land through which we have gone to search uh, to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that saw uh, we saw in that were men of great stature. They had a spirit of unbelief. They had a spirit of fear. And so God makes this decree that those who brought the evil report and those who murmured and complained would not see the land. And so Numbers 14 now, we're progressing here. Verse 22 says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. It gets worse. Verse 29, all those who are 20 years old and up that murmured against God were to die off before the people would enter into the promised land. We see this in verse 33, and your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Now, before I continue, I just want to read a passage in the book of Hebrews. It correlates to this passage here. And in Hebrews chapter 3, I thought this was interesting. Uh, verses 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of um, unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, why is this important? Well, verse 15 says, While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts 
as in the provocation. Well, what is the provocation? For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but them that believed not? So we see then that they could not enter because of unbelief. So God in the New Testament references this story here of Korah and their rebellion and all these people here who have sinned against God through their murmurings and complaining. Instead, they, they fear, uh, instead they faltered at his promise and were spiritually paralyzed by their fear. Think about that. They faltered at the promise of God and were spiritually paralyzed by fear. This is all because a lack of faith. Hebrews 11, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. We've got to come to God with faith. This morning we heard of the word of God. If the word of God dwells in me, if I'm reading the word of God, listen, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These people had the leader of God who was technically the mouthpiece of God. They knew Moses, knew God, yet they still have a lack of faith. And so, sorry, we come here to Korah so who is Korah? I think it's interesting. I'm not going to have too many um, definitions today. So I'll just give you the one. Korah's name is ice. That's what it means. It's ice. He's cold. Okay. So that's all I got for a definition. But Korah, he is from the line of Kohath, making him what I'm going to try to say it. It's from the clan of the Kohathites. Now, the Kohathites had charge of caring for the objects associated with the sanctuary. In Numbers 4, verse 4, it says, This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. I'm going to say he was pretty close to God. Physically. Physically, he was close to God. And I know that sounds kind of weird because he was to be partaker of making sure that the most holy things were taken care of. They were in charge of moving these things. The Ark of the Covenant, the Table of Showbread, and other holy items were the responsibility of the Kohathites. First Chronicles 9.32, And other of the brethren of the sons of Kohathites were over the showbread to prepare it every Sabbath. Each clan had its responsibility uh, to the sanctuary of God. So these people were a part of the Levites. The Levites were set apart from God to take care of the tabernacle. And then you have the family of Aaron who were to be the priests. God is very specific. He does not give a job and then say, but if anybody wants to jump in and do it, go for it. That's not how it works. And here we see that the Kohaths, uh, the Kohathites had a particular job, just like Aaron had a particular job. The sanctuary objects that the Kohathites transported were to be carried on their shoulders with poles made for that purpose. These men were not given carts like the other clans. They were to bear the burden of the things of God physically. Deuteronomy 10.8, at the time of the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance. I think that's pretty awesome. And God says, according as the Lord thy God promised him, 
uh, the choosing of Aaron, you can find that in Exodus 28. And my point about Korah is that he had an amazing calling of God. He was a wonderful, he had a wonderful responsibility to be chosen. He was chosen to serve the Lord in the tabernacle. He was basically a minister to the people, and the Bible says that. And his family were literally, physically, by proximity, close to the ark. Yet Korah's heart was very far away. And so that in mind, as I think of Korah, as we look into this passage, the first thing I see is that Korah was very contentious. Korah had a contentious spirit. Korah had a problem with pride. He was not guarding his heart with all diligence the way the Bible teaches. In fact, he was harboring rebellion. And God says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It is a wickedness to God. And here is a man who has a great responsibility to be a servant to the Lord in his tabernacle. And yet his heart was far from him. Now, as I think of Korah, he was a man that was restless, full of contempt, full of pride. And this led to him, what I believe, first of all, led him to be weary in well-doing. I believe he was weary in well-doing. Galatians tells us, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, Second Thessalonians 3.13. But ye, brethren, be ye not weary in well-doing. Now, why do I think he's weary in, in, in well-being? Uh, because... He had a great responsibility, but when you look at his accusation, I believe it's in verse three, and they gathered themselves against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, lift ye up yourselves above the congregation. I think it's ironic that he's saying, hey, you're proud. You're not the only one. I can do this. Oh, well, wait a second. You, you have a job. And so he's discontent. He has no contentment in his job and he's weary. He became restless, constantly complaining and troubled. And can I say that if we are not careful, that can happen to us. Glory Baptist Church, listen, I know there are times where we're like, right? But if you're discontented in your life, if there are things that are, you're struggling with, okay, if you don't take care of it, it's going to come out. Think about, I was talking to a pastor about this this week. I know he counsels and he studies. The idea of rebellious children. Why are they rebellious? Is it because they just feel like being naughty? No, they're acting out. And it comes out in them. And sometimes even when something wicked happens and it's bottled in, it's bottled in, it's bottled in, eventually what? It comes out. Well, he did the same job day in and day out. And I, be, I believe it became a chore to him. Just another day doing the same thing. I've been there. I, I, I do the same thing every day. And it could become a chore, but he became discontented, discouraged. He was restless and frustrated. He couldn't hold it in. And because of that, it came out by the form of rebellion. Now, I sometimes think we all get weary. There are times where we just struggle. You feel like, oh man, not again. But God says, keep on going, trust him, have faith. And if we're not careful, it will come out and it will come out wrong. It's got to be dealt with. I know a pastor loves, he loves counseling. And I'm just saying, if there's somebody in here and you're just bottled up, you got to get it out. It, it, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm, trust me, I, I, I struggle with that myself. Okay, But this, this idea of contention, this idea of pride, it comes out when we fail to recognize that God is the one who has placed me where I am 
and with the people that are around me. That includes my authorities. It's my failure to realize, hey, God put me here for such a time as this, and I better find out what he has for me. Because if I don't, I'm going to look over there and say, why, why do they get to do that? Why is she doing that? Oh, I would like to do that. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with aspiration, but listen to me. God put you somewhere, do what he put you to do. Yeah. And it sounds weird, but just do it. And so here, Cora was too busy looking at what others were doing, and he was not satisfied. So he was weary and well-doing, and then he was weak in his understanding. He was very weak in his understanding. In verse 8, and Moses said again unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that, watch this, the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation of the minister um, to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him. What do I have to complain about? He said, listen, you're, you have a specific job that I have for you and it is to be near me, the very God of heaven. And he was still discontent. That's a sad place to be. God was trying to bring Korah near to himself, but Korah could not see. He refused to see that God was trying to get his attention. He was dissatisfied with God as his portion. How about you this morning? Are you satisfied or dissatisfied with God? Like I said, I know we all have bad days. We're not talking about having a bad day. We're talking about every day. This led him to want more. He wanted the priesthood. What is it that you want? What is it in your life that you think you can't live without? I thought of this. We, we talked a little bit about giving this morning. I know it's Christmas time and we get caught up in the festivities, the lights, the music. I know I do. I love it. But are you satisfied with God? It's in my notes. That's exactly what he said this morning, didn't he? Are you satisfied with God? Are you satisfied with the salvation he provided for you? Ooh, wow, that's a big one. That which costs you nothing but cost him everything. I believe Korah was dissatisfied with his God. He was contentious. He was full of pride. Moses points out he was not fighting against Moses or Aaron. It was God himself. Look at verse 11. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against who? The Lord. Be careful when you think that my, my problem with is, is another brother or sister. Be careful that when I'm complaining, I'm not, oh, look at that. Oh, what about... Be careful, because ultimately you're saying, God, you're not satisfying me. What a, what a place. What I wrote this down. I was like, what is your beef with God? Because ultimately when you and I complain about our station in life, it's your fault. Now we don't like to say that because we're not that bold. Okay, But that's ultimately what we're saying. You messed up. I'm only five foot <clears throat> five. That's not fair. I, I did watch the video. Pastor mentioned people who are trying to make themselves taller. I saw the video. It is crazy. Okay. Now, it has crossed my mind. <laughs> All right. But the, but the point is this, though. It doesn't matter. This, this is what God made. I'm just going to live with it. Amen for that. All right. Praise the Lord. My wife likes it. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So, so the question then is, do you value what God is doing in your life right now? That's kind of what it boils down to. See, I don't believe Cora was satisfied. 
We know that because he brought a lot of problems upon himself and others. I have difficulties in my own personal life, and I must recognize that God knows about every single one of them. Listen, whether it's problems from my sin, yep, judgment, or whether it's the trials of God, he's in control. And nothing I do in my complaint is going to change that. Nothing I do in my cry. I'm not saying we can't say, oh, I can't believe this happened. I, I, I get that. We're human. But ultimately, my cry should be to the Lord, help me. Strengthen me. Guide me. I need you, Lord. Give me more of you. Draw me closer. Not further. Korah not only had a weak understanding, he had a wrong perspective. Now, I think this was very interesting. He had a weak perspective. Uh, you might have a, a weak understanding of God. Korah definitely did and he missed out on what God was doing. And I, and I, man, as I was reading, I was listening to some messages I'm studying. And this popped out. And I love this next thought. He says, Moses is talking to Korah. It was but a small thing to Korah. Look at verse number nine. Look at verse number nine. Moses looking at Korah says, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you? What is a small thing? That God, that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel. That's amazing. Korah was separated from God to serve the God in a wonderful place. And it's, well, yeah, thank you. And so it made me think, is salvation a small thing? Is the will of God a small thing? Is prayer a small thing to you? Is being a part of Glory Baptist Church a small thing? Are you faithful to what God has given you? We, we better be careful with our heart and pride. It always leads to contention. But listen, it may not be towards one another. It could be towards me against my God. And you know what's interesting is this too. You know... You know when somebody has a contentious spirit or there's something off. You just know, okay? Um, we've all done it. You have the avoidance game, okay? Walk this way, here they come. Oh, walk this, all right? That ought not be in the house of God. That ought not be. Now, I'm guilty of it, was guilty of it. Uh, there are things I had to take care of in my own life, okay? But I was thinking about this. Is it a small thing? Yesterday morning, um, some of the men were here for prayer. I know I talk about this every time. But I cannot explain it to you. I don't even know how to explain it to you. I, uh, Pastor and I were trying to go over some of the things for the week. But you know, as I sat there and I listened, there was something special about it. I, I mean, I've, I've been to the prayer meetings. I might have missed a couple times. Most of us have. But it was different. And I don't know what the other men think. I know Pastor believed that. I think Brother Dustin, he might have said the same thing. But it was different. And maybe I'm off, but it, I, and, I, and I don't understand it. And the pastor's like, well, that's because we're, we're in a place where, man, we just need God. Amen for that. Amen for that. But it was just a, something about it. And, I, and, I, and it's not a small thing. I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's not a small thing. And so here we have Korah, who's rebellious and contentious. And he made the things of God but a small thing. What a shame. To miss church, to give faithfully your tithe and offering, 
Is it a small thing to be in your place? That's a phrase I've never heard till I came here, right? But I like it, be in your place. Okay, it just makes sense. But is it a small thing? Yeah, it's just church. I'm not saying that anybody here is doing that. I'm just saying, is it a small thing? God is pointing it out, not me. So Cora was contentious, but you know what? Cora was also contagious. And I think this is where the danger begins. Korah was very contagious. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. I'm not going to read all the names in verse 1. But Korah, Dathan and Abiram, on. And then verse 2. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation men of renown. Now, I was thinking about this. No matter what your issues are, no matter what the problems, no matter what your contentions, no matter what you're struggling with, you, could always find, you can always find at least one person who will side with you. And, you know, we know the phrase rebel radar. Do, 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 do. Hey, brother. Hey, Pastor, read this comment. Can you believe it? Yeah, I can. Oh, good. He's one of mine. All right. And we stick together, right? What is the old adage? Misery loves. Come on, y'all know it. Because it's true. Misery does love company. Listen, I have personally known of people and have seen people. Where can I find my rebel friend? Oh, right there, right? And they gather together. You know what? They cause a whole lot of problems. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous in a church. Uh, yesterday, and the reason I mentioned prayer, all right, yesterday I was, we were thinking about Brother Burke and the situation there. And you know what? Pastor's not here today. You know what? The devil would love nothing more than to cause problems today because he's not here. I'm not saying he is the guardian, okay? But he is the, excuse the phrase, leader, okay? Chosen by God. He's our under-shepherd. But the thing is this. The shepherd is down, or the under-shepherd is down. We can run into some problems. The devil's like, yeah! Opportunity for what? Strife, bickering, pride, contentions. And Korah was like that. Korah was not content on being miserable all on his own. He had to recruit as many as would listen to him. There were 250 other men who decided to listen, agree, and follow Korah. What a shame. What a shame. Be careful who your friends are. I know we hear that, but it is so, and I, not, in, not in our church, amen. Hey, we're a family. But in all seriousness, be careful who your friends are. But can I say this? Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful what you're listening to. I don't care if it's music. Now, you know me. I love music. Okay. But I've got to be careful. Be careful because there's the power of influence. We live in a day where influencers are very prominent in TikTok. Is that right? Yeah. I was going to say TikTok. TikTok, Instagram, and my favorite, Facebook. All right. There are a lot of people who want to persuade you to do something. Okay. And I'm going to use something silly. Okay, how many have seen the tortilla challenge? All right, I know of people, personal people that I actually know who, right? Why? But, but, but I mean, I know it's funny, but why? Influence. It's silly, but influence. That tells me it's pretty powerful. In this case, though, it was extremely dangerous. Korah did not think twice to attack the man of God. You better be very careful about that right there. There are some warnings. Go to the New Testament. There's warnings. I, I was thinking about this. I was having a conversation a while ago about the idea of 
certain things that were happening. And it dawned on me, ooh, you better be careful you're not attacking the man of God. He might be a little wrong. You still better be careful. Be careful attacking the church of God. And I'm just saying, listen, you might have a contention with me. I could deal with that. But you better be careful who you're talking about and how you're talking about them. And you better be careful you're not bringing in people to listen to you. Gossip is a sin. Amen. And, and so Korah was not, he was not opposed to being a gossiper. All right. So Korah's rebellion led to many people feeling disconnect, uh, discontented in their lives. And so leading them in a, in a path of destruction. Verse number 12, and Moses sent to, da- to call Dathan and Abiram. And I thought this was interesting. The sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself uh, altogether a prince over us? That kind of sounds like Korah, doesn't it? You see, they were infected by Korah. Korah said, hey, you think you're better than me, making yourself a prince over Whoa, wait a second. That's what they're saying. And so here are two other men, and they weren't standing with Korah at this moment. Moses is like, hey, where are they? Go get them. They're like, I'm not coming up there. Who do you think you are? Well, when we're contentious in spirit and we infect others, we, we begin to think irrationally. You ever notice people who are upset or angry? I'll use the word angry. Okay. They're irrational. Ah! Right? They, they kick a door down. I mean, it's just there's, there's no thinking. Right? So irrational people don't have a concept of reality. They really don't. And Korah and these men did not have the concept of reality. And why do I say that? Well, what did he say in verse number 12? I thought this was very interesting. You see, Dathan and Abiram are part of God's people, Israel, that came out of Egypt. But Dathan and Abiram said unto Moses, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us out of where? The land that floweth with milk and honey. Boy, that's a little bit confusing. Because if you go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, it says, And I and come down to deliver them out of the land of Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, enlarged unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So which one is it? Is Egypt flowing with milk and honey or the promised land? I venture to say what God said is true. And so these men, influenced by Korah, began to think irrationally about truth, and they began to twist the truth, and listen, they began to call Egypt a better place. Be careful how you think. You know that there are times where you might see something and think, huh, man, if only, oh, be careful. Be careful. You ever... You ever look at somebody and think, oh, look what they have. Look at the way they are. And and you're like, oh, that's kind of, whoa, wait a second. That's ungodly. And I'm not talking in a bad way. Maybe it's the new clothing or the new style. Maybe it's that smooth ride. Whoa, wait a second. That's not for me. Uh, Somebody said recently this idea of, uh, I think it was Pastor Thursday talking about gifts. You know, somebody has something. Be, Be thankful for them. Be thankful. Man, if you complain and gripe, and this is not in my nose, this is free. If you complain and, and gripe, do you really think God wants to bless you? No, you're griping and complaining. God hates it. And so anyway, my, my point, though, is that these people were irrational in their thinking. They made Egypt the place of milk and honey. God says, uh, no, it's not. They were delusional in their minds and so were irrational in their thinking about truth. They equated their time in Egypt as a good place instead of what God had for them. They had been infected. 
infected by Korah. If we are not careful, we too can watch this infect those around us. Brother Dustin, again, we were talking about this, and you know he's always talking about these little ones. Okay, there's a lot of little kids in here, but you know what? And and they're influential. But I think of the teenagers who are watching mom and dad. They're influential. And you may not know this, but you're, do, you're going along your business and you're infecting them with your sickness. I thought about this, a tree. I worked for the county for six years and tree work was my favorite. I'm joking, that's a joke, I hated it. Okay, Tree work was just, I hated it. Okay, But here's what I learned. You have a beautiful tree, you drive by and say, that's a beautiful tree. Tomorrow the wind blows just, and the tree comes down. Well, that beautiful tree was dead. Because inside the disease comes in, goes through that massive trunk. All the branches, all the twigs, the leaves, the fruit are corrupt. And that wind comes in, the adversity of life, and it comes on crashing down. All right? That's your life when you're a contentious individual spreading your infectious contentions to others. And we have little people in this room who are very, very, uh, I forgot the word, influential. I guess that's right, right? Or influential. I can't even say it now. Influential, sure, that'll work. Right? But, but the thing is this, God warns us, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt what? Good manners. Be careful of how you're acting. Be careful of your pride. Numbers 14. Uh, sorry, 16, verse 14. Moreover, thou hast not brought us up out of the land of flow that floweth with milk and honey, or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? Listen, he was so twisted, these men. Okay, uh, what is it? Dathan and Abiram. They were so twisted that they said, Moses, you're going to pluck their eyes out? Now, just think about that. Again, irrational, right? They're infected by Korah, and they're not thinking straight. And they're like, oh, you're doing what the Egyptians used to do. That's what I'm thinking. They had to learn that thought from somewhere, but it's irrational. Why would Moses be like, ah, oh, I don't like you. Boop, pop his eye. I mean, come on. My point is this, though, that we sometimes do things irrationally, and it really doesn't make sense. And others are watching and thinking, yeah, you're off. Okay, now, we won't say that because we love each other, but someone might. All right. But the thing is this, though, in Isaiah 5.20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. That is the person who's contentious. They're irrational. They're not thinking straight and they're infectious to others. Be careful. So Korah was these things. And, and the third point is this, that Korah was consumed he was consumed, not in the idea of himself. God will do the consuming here. We looked at the pride of Korah, and we know that in Proverbs 16, 18 tells us, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So God absolutely hates pride. He will judge pride, and he will judge your life if you're proud. In verses 16 through 19, now we're going to try and get through the chapter. Verse number 16, And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou, um, be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer and put incense in them. And bring ye before 
the Lord, every man his censer, 250 censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. Now watch this. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. I find it interesting that Moses says this tomorrow. He didn't say, hey, Go grab your censors. Let's see who God's going to choose. And I thought, wow, why would he say tomorrow? Could it be that he was giving them a chance to reconsider their choices? You know what I call this? The mercy of God. <laughs> That's what I see. You see, he said, listen, you're all wrong, but hey, come back tomorrow and let's see who God's going to choose. Hey, if you threaten me saying that tomorrow fire is going to come, come down from heaven and I know I'm wrong, I'm probably going to go hide. I don't want to come out and be like, ha, 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 I'm going to prove myself even though I know it's a lie. Korah didn't do that. In fact, we know that Korah came out and because he had a hard heart of unbelief, he actually doubled down. And he showed up like he showed up like a stiff-necked person the very next day. And listen, all 250 men showed up with him. They didn't take the thought of, hey, we've got a night to sleep on it. You ever, you're always taught, young people, when you buy a vehicle or something, okay, you get all excited about it because the showman is really good at selling the car. And you're like, oh, it's got the bells and whistles, exactly what I want. Yes. How much do you have? 15. I'll take 20,000. Okay. No, they tell you to sleep on it. Why? Let the emotions yes. subside. Korah and his 250 friends had time to let the emotions die down. And yet, the very next day, verse number 20, and the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, saying, separate yourselves from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? I just want to point something out here. Moses and Aaron, if you read the passage three times in this passage, it says they fell down. What was he doing? It's a show of humility. It's a show that, oh, I pray you, Lord, don't do this. Now, one time you see Korah praying. If you're contentious, I doubt you're praying. Why? You can't have a bitter attitude towards someone else and towards God and say, oh, but I'm going to get in the heavenlies, as pastor would say. It's sin. Confess your sin. Deal with your sin. Let God work in your heart. I've got to do it. You've got to do it. Korah should have done it. And he didn't. And so what happens to Korah? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto the congregation. This is verse 24, saying, get you up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses said up, um, rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram and the elders of Israel followed him and he spake unto the congregation saying depart I pray you from the tents of these wicked men and touch not uh, nothing of theirs lest ye be consumed watch this in all of their sins listen innocent people get hurt when you sin and God right here God right here did not say well there's innocent people I better not do that no, no, no. I believe this is collateral damage. I believe when we sin, we have collateral damage. That is sad. And it's scary. And again, I think of these young folks who watch mom and dad live their life vicariously, ho-hum, 
whatever we want to do. Oh, I know the preacher said that, but that's a dangerous precedent. And their innocence will be punished because of your sin. That's what he said. Now, I know God is merciful, but he told them, hey, make sure they get out of the way in verse 27. So they get up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And he says, and Moses said, hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, of, um, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. Listen, if they die a common, if they live, and they live a normal life and die, I'm wrong. God didn't send me. But... If the Lord make a new thing, something that's never happened before, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. He didn't say provoke me. I can't let my feelings get hurt. He said you've provoked the Lord. Verse 31, and it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking of all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and, the ho and their houses and all the men that appertain unto Korah and all their goods and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed up upon them and they perished from among the congregation and Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. Now, I thought about that. I thought about the fact that 250 men were consumed by fire. And, and it, it's kind of interesting that these men, there's no doubt they know about two men called Nadab and Abihu. Hmm, that sounds familiar. So in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says, And Nadab and Abihu... The sons of Aaron, this is why they would know, these are cousins, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon, incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Listen, do you not think they knew that? I stopped and I was thinking about the night. I thought, man, had I seen that? I'd be like, oh, wait, wait, I'm going to offer the... That's, no, I saw how they died. You know, God didn't change his punishment. They died exactly the same way. That's the power of God. He is very consistent. And my point to that is this. We're listening to this story. That means you and I can learn a lesson. Amen. And so these men suffered loss of life because they were contentious by following one person. That blows my mind that one person caused the life of more than 15,000 people. Verse 41 tells us, but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel, what's the next word? Murmured. They murmured against Moses and against Aaron saying, ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron and they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, 
Get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. Again, you find Moses praying. Lord, don't do this, please. But God's like, I've got to judge them. And so Moses, I'm just going to paraphrase it, tells them, hey, Aaron, go get a censer. Let's go get some incense. And I need you to stand before the people to stop the plague. Finally, Moses gets, or Aaron runs out, gets what he needs. And he stands between the dead bodies and the living people. And the Bible tells us that about over 14,000 men died. All this ties back to the one man, Korah. And I guess my point is this. You sit there and think, but it's just this. I sit there and think, oh, it's only. You know what I don't stop to consider? My wife. My children. My church family. Sin in my life affects Glory Baptist Church. My angst towards my brethren affects Glory Baptist Church. But we pray, oh, Holy Spirit, help us. Oh, Holy Spirit, show up. But I'm going to harbor my sin. It's wickedness. It's wickedness. I, I, I thought this was interesting, and I'm almost done. In the book of Jude, Jude is written about roughly 1,500. I couldn't get an exact date, but about 1,500 to almost 2,000 years before, um, excuse me, after this event with Korah. And I found this to be very fascinating. So we're 2,000 years removed for that. So roughly 3,500 years. Think about that number. 3,500 years. And what is Korah's reputation? Well, Jude 1.11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and watch this, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. God immortalized Korah, made him infamous, if you will, in the scriptures, not in a good way. His, his reputation was defined by his contention. God never saw him differently. He was also defined by his company, Cain and Balaam, right? So I guess what I'm saying is, as I look out and I'm like, oh, he hangs out with him. Hmm. I'm not talking about in our church. I'm just saying your reputations, your friends, they will either positively or negatively influence you. Now, what I love is this, and I'm, and I'm done. Korah's family was corrected. And I love this. I love this. I, I was listening to a preacher, and I heard this, and I said, now that's awesome. Numbers 26, 11. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Why is that so important? And this is why I thought it was amazing. Psalm 84 Verse 10. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in the courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. If you look at the heading, it's probably a Psalm of David, but if you read it carefully, it says what? It's talking to the sons of Korah. You know, Korah was not a good daddy. His children stood there and watched God judge him. And praised God through his mercy. They said, 
I don't want to do that. They're Kohathites. Chances are they had to do the same job daddy had to do. But I'm going to have a better spirit about it. Amen. And I find it interesting that in Numbers 16.26, Moses says, and he spake unto the congregation saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. I think his children learned a lesson. They saw the judgment and decided it is not worth it. And I thought of this statement. I thought of this statement. I love, I love hearing about the mercy of God. I do, because I need it every day. But I thought of this, and hopefully this makes sense. God's mercy is great, but it is better to stay away from the tents of wickedness than to have to ask God for his mercy and judgment. Think about that. If you just simply say no, okay, Miss Reagan, just say no to your sin, I don't have to beg God for his mercy when he judges me. I rather rejoice over his mercy and his love and his benefits and anything that's good from God without me having to pay for my sin. Amen. Now this morning we heard about the word of God. I have Christ living in me and yet, and yet I struggle in my life. Why? I'm contentious. There's pride. There's discontentment. I've got to confess it before God. And folks, if you're harboring anything, I don't know what your sin is, you name your little pet sin. Give it to God. His mercy endureth forever. Don't be Korah. Korah could have avoided 15,000 men from dying, but he was not satisfied with God as his portion. So here are some questions. What is it that you are not satisfied with? Only you can answer that. What is it that you are contentious over? What is it in your life that the Lord is convicting you about? I don't know. I pastor called me on Friday. He said, brother, I'm going to be out of town. Would you mind preaching? I jumped on the opportunity because I do enjoy preaching, but I, I'll admit, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to preach. And he's like, oh, you know, you could finish up that message from last time. I wasn't ready for that. And I have to go home to get on my knees, my face before God and say, Lord, I don't know what to give these people. And I don't know that anything this morning was for anybody here. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit lies. I don't believe he directs falsely. And I don't believe that this message, which for me came together, don't let me know if it didn't, okay? But let's examine our hearts Let's examine our lives and let's, let's make uh, a proclamation that doesn't sound right, but let's go to God and say, Lord, what is it that you see that I need to get rid of? Lord, deal with me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Truly, it is precious. And God, every single one of us in this room, including the young folks, we need you. I know Brother Dustin mentioned seeing Christ. And Lord, I know I didn't really talk much about Christ. But Lord, we're looking into your word. And God, I know that you want to separate us unto yourself as you did with Korah. But Lord, our hearts must be clean. We must be pure. 
And I pray, Lord, if there's someone in here who's not saved, God, convict them that they might come to you for salvation. And Lord, I think of these dear people and ask that you would bless them and help them. God, if somebody is struggling with sin or something in their lives, oh God, have mercy on them and help them. I pray, Lord, as we give the invitation, Lord, that you would speak to hearts and do that which I cannot in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet?